name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Christos Anesti. Today is the second day, the second week of Pentecost, the second week of the Holy 50 Days. Uh, and the church, as we go through these Holy 50 Days, is taking us on like a tour of heaven. Uh, and the Lord t- proclaimed that He is the bread of life. Um, and of course, the bread of life we partake of here in the Eucharist. Uh, and this is the heavenly br- uh, bread. And if you think about the only food that we consume that is from heaven is the Eucharist. All the other food we consume comes from the ground and then we consume it to live and then both we and the food we consume will die and go back to the ground. But what remains is the heavenly food that we partake of, uh, the Eucharist. Um, and the Eucharist is something that is only offered in church. You know, what's popular now is like this uh, online church. You know, many people attend and say, online. Did we take communion online? Right? We can't take communion online. So, and there's nothing that's going to match or beat being in the presence of God in the, uh, in the house and God's angels and partaking of His body and blood. We can watch all the liturgies we want online, but it's not like coming and taking uh, of the Eucharist. Um, and this Eucharistic celebration that we uh, participate in today and every Sunday and every time we have a liturgy, it's an encounter with God. It's a time where we come and we meet God and we encounter Him. And if you think about all of our Christian life and all of the sacraments in the church, they have to do with and they're centered around the Eucharist. For example, if we want to celebrate a feast, we pray a liturgy. If we want to remember somebody who had departed, we remember them where? In the liturgy, right? Um, if we need to uh, pray for someone, we give a buna, a piece of paper with their name on it, and they put it on the altar during the during the liturgy. All of the sacraments, when we um, uh, are baptized, after a person's baptized, they come and they take communion, right? The ordination of a priest is during the liturgy. Even the wedding ceremonies used to be during the liturgy, back in the old days, right? So, um, all of the sacraments have to do with the liturgy and this celebration. Uh, one of the fathers, one of the, um, said that the Christians make the Eucharist and the Eucharist makes the Christians. So the Christians in our gathering, we make the Eucharist, right? And then we come and offer what's ours and the Holy Spirit descends and transforms them. And it's the Eucharist that actually makes us Christian. And I believe it was Saint Cyprian who said something similar. He said that, um, uh, the, the church, the church makes the Eucharist and the Eucharist makes the church. And there's no church without Eucharist. And there's no Eucharist without the church. Right? So a church that doesn't offer the Eucharist is not the church. But the church that offers the Eucharist is the church. Um, and when we celebrate this liturgy, it unites us with Christ. And then He begins to work within us through the Holy Spirit to transform us back into His image. So I'd like to speak really briefly this morning about encountering God or encountering the Lord in the Eucharist, uh, in the Eucharistic uh, celebration. So how is it that we can encounter God when we come to the liturgy? Sometimes we come and we go and come from the liturgy and we have there's nothing different in us, as if we didn't encounter God at all, right? And those who encounter God, it shows on them. Do you remember Moses? When he met with God, what happened on him when he came back from the, down from the mountain? His face was radiant, right? 
to the point where the people had to put a veil because they saw the change in his face. So every time we come to the liturgy and we leave, there should be something different. And the people should say, Right? If I'm used to getting angry and upset, then when I go home, you should tell. You know, we often, you know, teach our children, like whenever um, we take communion and we're at home and they begin to fight or quarrel, we say, Right? You took communion today. Right? Because we should be different. Right? So how is it that we can uh, meet God in the liturgy? Number one is preparing the preparation. In order for us to meet God when we come to pray the divine liturgy, we need to prepare beforehand. Um, and if you think about any important encounter that we go, we prepare beforehand. If you're going to interview for a job, will you not prepare beforehand? You'd know the job description. You'd know who's the manager. You'd know who's the CEO. You'd know what the job description is. You may even study some questions they might ask you. Right? Why? So you can have a successful encounter. So with any successful encounter, there needs to be some kind of preparation, whether it's a job interview. How about like another important encounter is proposal, right? When a man proposes to a potential wife, right? Do, do they not prepare for this? Yeah, the stuff they need. Nowadays they prepare for like months and maybe a year for this one day and this one proposal. And they have a whole big you know, production, right? And it's friends and fake crowds and all sorts of things, right? Just for their proposal, for this one meeting. And this is, again, a human. Now we're coming to meet and encounter God. There should be some kind of preparation, right, for this. And the church prepares us and teaches us what to do. Right? The t- church teaches us from the night before we attend Vespers through prayer and, uh, and say the praises. And then the rest of the night should be getting rested for the next day. Not going, watching a movie or hanging out or going out to dinner or whatever. It should be, you know, you know, all synonymous. We begin from Vespers and we end with the crown of the Eucharist in the end. And the church teaches us some prayers to say in the morning on the way to church. Some of the Psalms. For example, Psalm 121 says, I was glad for those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So the church is telling us on the way to church to be happy with those who tell us to go to the house of the Lord. How many of us, when our parents come to wake us up, oh, I'm tired today, give me a few minutes. No, the church is telling us to be happy for those who tell us it's time to go to church. Right? And maybe it's vice versa. Maybe the kids come and say, wake up, I need to be a deacon. And he says, that's Sibni, Shwai, Ayaz, and M. But the psalm is telling us what, I was glad for those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Then it tells us in Psalm 64, blessed is the man you choose and cause to uh, approach you, that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. So blessed is the one you choose and cause to approach you. So as you're coming to church, you think to myself, this is a blessing and an honor for me to be chosen as a Christian to come into the house of the Lord and to partake of His Eucharist. So we think of the honor and the blessing it is for us to come to church and to pray. And perhaps we felt this most in 2020 when the churches were closed. Right? We said, no. And now I realize the blessing. Perhaps we've gone back to forgetting the blessing of being in the church and partaking of the Eucharist. Just as quickly as it was taken away, it was given back, and we go back maybe to our old habits. 
Also in Psalm 26, it says, the psalmist says, One thing I have asked the Lord, this also I will seek, that I shall dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. So as we're coming to church, we think to ourselves, there's nothing better and nowhere better a place that I'd like to be for the rest of my life than in your house. One thing I've asked the Lord, and this I will seek, that I shall dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. So preparation is key. Is key. If we want to encounter God, we must prepare beforehand. Number two is emptying of the mind. Emptying of the mind. We must focus that today I'm coming to meet the Lord. And empty the mind of all of the things in the world, all of our obligations, all of our stresses, all the things that uh, distract us. And this is the main point, is remove the distractions. And you know, sometimes in order for us to empty the mind, we also have to empty our hands. If you notice in the beginning, in the foyer of the church, we have the offering box, right? Two reasons. Number one is when we come to meet the Lord, we're coming to offer uh, a gift or an offering from ours, and we give it to God. A monetary yani offering. We offer it to God. What is the purpose of this? We're coming, uh, saying to God what? I'm coming to offer you what I have. The earthly things that I have, I'm offering to you. And then through the prayers of the liturgy and the grace of God, we receive it back again by the end of the liturgy in a heavenly gift. Right? So we see the blessing here. So what's earthly is transformed, is transformed into something heavenly. And then we receive it back for our eternal life. Right? The other reason is it also symbolizes our detachment from the things of the world. We come to the foyer of the church and we leave the things of the world and the foyer and we come into the kingdom of heaven here to partake and share in the celebration of the Eucharist. Also, to help us empty our mind, the church puts for us images around us of heaven, the saints, parts in scripture, right? The altar before us. All of us what? So we can, you know, the times where we get distracted and our mind goes to the left or to the right, we can simply look up and look at the icons, look at the Lord Jesus, look at St. John the Baptist, look at St. Mary, look at the saints and angels, and look in the altar. And then look at the words on the screen to follow, right? So all of these things help us to empty the mind and to focus on being here in the Divine Liturgy. And what aids us in remaining, or, uh, remaining in this, uh, um, uh, or emptying of the mind is being in the present moment. This is vital actually to our spiritual growth. Being in the present moment. Al-hal, dilwati. You know, the mind is the enemy of the present moment. The mind does not like the present moment. Because we as humans, we like to be in control. And this was the problem of Adam and Eve from the very beginning. They fell into sin because they wanted to control and they did not want to give God control. So in our weakness, our mind wants to be in control. But the one thing it cannot control is the present moment. It can control the thoughts of the past and all of the anxieties and worries of the past. I mean all of the you know, anxieties from what happened in the past. And all of the worries of the future it can also control in its mind. But it can't control the present moment. Right? So it doesn't feel comfortable. So that's why you're sitting here now, and those of us who are not paying attention, our mind is taking us somewhere else. 
And if it's not enough that our mind wanders, we also have these devices to keep us distracted. Right? And keep us distracted from the present moment. Did you know the only place that God can meet us is in the present moment? Once we go and put our mind in the past and in the future, we've locked God out. Because the only way and place He can meet us is the here and the now. And this is why it's so critically important that when we pray, we shut everything off. Because if we don't shut it off, then our mind goes to the past and to the future, and then we can't meet God there. Then it becomes useless. Right? But we can only meet Him in the present moment. So when you're sitting here in church and in the liturgy and you find yourself distracted, be, come back to the present moment. And believe me, even if it's a fraction of the time that we come to church and we have and we meet God in the present moment, it's very valuable and very precious. And those of us maybe who have experienced this, these are the joys and the comfort we receive from God, is in the present moment. Um, so God can't you know, meet us in the imagination of our mind uh, and when we are not in the present moment. And what aids us in remaining in the present moment is number four is participation in the liturgy. That helps us in this encounter of God in the liturgy. Is our participation. When we come to the liturgy, am I coming as a spectator? Or am I coming as a participant? When I'm coming to church, am I coming to watch a show? Or am I coming to participate in the prayers that are being said? Perhaps if I'm used to just watching the liturgy online, I'm coming and my mind is, all I have to do in church is be, be a spectator. So when I watch it online, it's no different than being in church because I come to church being a spectator anyway. But when I come to church and I want to be a participant, online will never suffice. It will never suffice. Because again, I want to be a participant and a part of the participation is partaking of the Eucharist. When I'm sitting in the pew, am I chanting with the deacons? You know, the, 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 the liturgy is set up like a play, right? You have the part of Abuna, the priest, the part of the deacon, which means the deacon inside, by the way, and then the part of the congregation, which begins from the deacons here all the way back. So am I a participant in this play, or am I just a spectator? Am I coming to watch? I will never encounter God if I come to meet Him as a spectator. He wants an encounter. If you remember the story of Zacchaeus, it says that there was a large crowd around the Lord, right? And all of these large crowd, many of them were there just to, as spectators, just watching. There was one man who climbed up into a sycamore tree desiring to be more than a spectator. And when Christ saw that in his heart, he looked in the tree and said, called him by his name and said, Zacchaeus, come down, for today I'm coming to your house. How, Lord, did you know that he wanted to invite you into his house? Well, I peered into his heart. This was a heart-to-heart communication. He was coming as a participant. He wanted to meet me, not as somebody just following the crowd to watch. Right? So in order for us to meet the Lord in the liturgy, we must come as participants, not as spectators. Number five, in order for us to meet the Lord in the liturgy, we must show reverence. We must show reverence. We will never encounter God if we do not honor and respect Him. We will never meet God unless we revere Him. Consider, for example, the Ten Commandments. The very first commandment says what? You shall not make for yourself a carved image 
any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. So he says, don't make an image. Why? Is it because the skill of man is, you know, isn't good? No, we make images of many things. But don't make him something that's earthly. Don't degrade him. Don't dishonor him. Anybody who you do not honor and revere, you will likely not pay attention to. Right? So if I want to encounter Christ, I must revere him. And how do I revere God when I come to his house? Well, many ways, right? One, it begins by how I come, how I dress. Right? When I come to church just modestly and conservatively, I'm coming to meet him. Right? Then I can meet him. I revere him. When you go to somebody's house, do you wear something that is appropriate for that person's house? Yes. Right? You wear something that's appropriate. When I come to church, I wear something that's appropriate for the presence of God. We revere him by, for example, we always say, okay, the kids shouldn't run in church. Right? Again, why? Because this shows reverence and honor. This is not a playground. Right? When we honor him and revere him, then we will meet with him. But when there's dishonor and disregard for the organization of the church and the honor and respect of the church, you will never meet him. You will never meet him. We must revere him in order to meet him. And one of the other Ten Commandments is um, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. So he's saying that honor for your parents is also due. So there all should be, also should be a reverence, right, to the parents. You know in the Old Testament there was a commandment that those who dishonored their parents would, should be stoned? We don't hear this happening in the Old Testament. But what does this tell us about God? That He values the family so much. To the point where He's putting the penalty as just as an adulterer or a murderer. They should be stoned. Right? So this tells us God wants us to honor Him so He can meet with us. And He wants us to honor our parents as well because they are His representatives in the family. Also, showing reverence means we take them seriously. We take them seriously. I'll give you an example. Whenever a deacon is ordained, this is a responsibility that's placed on the deacon by the church. Do I take this diaconate seriously? When I wear this deacon, am I behaving and carrying my, this robe? Am I um, behaving and carrying myself differently? Or is it just like I'm in the street, just like I'm at school? Am I playing on my cell phone during the sermon and during the prayers, just like I would during a lecture in class? Or am I someone different when I wear and put on this tunya? So, showing honor and reverence is the only place where we can really meet God and we can meet Him in the liturgy when we show reverence. Lastly, is just coming. Just coming to the liturgy is a way that we can meet Him. You might say, okay, Abuna, I've come to a hundred liturgies, but I feel like I don't meet Him. Come anyways. Just when we come, we allow ourselves to be molded by God simply by being in His presence. I can't tell you how often or how much I've seen Maybe some, you know, young kids, their parents bring them to church, you know, every Sunday religiously. And they come, and they attend the prayers, they hear the hymns, they smell the incense, they see Abuna, they see the deacons, they see the icons. And this is something they grow into and they become familiar with. 
Then maybe as they get into the youth age and they rebel and they go in this rebellious phase and it seems like they can do nothing right, there's something still inside them saying, this is my home. And one day, by God's grace, they can come back and they say, out there is not as good as it, as it is in here. So just coming, being in the church, and being in the presence of the angels and partaking of the Eucharist, we can encounter God. Sometimes it's delayed, but we are familiar with the place where God dwells. And this will never leave our minds if we just simply come in person, allowing ourselves to slowly and gradually be transformed into the image of Christ. It's, all, it's everything in the church. It's the atmosphere. It's the hymns, the incense, the icons, the people. Um, and it goes unnoticeable and begins to build this foundation. So we said in order for us to encounter God in the liturgy, we said it begins with preparation. From uh, the Vespers the night before, mentioning those prayers and psalms on the way to church. Number two is emptying the mind of all of the distractions. And sometimes we said emptying the mind means we have to empty our hands as well. Being in the present moment, the only place where we can meet God and God can meet us. Not being a spectator, but being a participant in the liturgy. Showing reverence to God so we can meet Him. And lastly, just coming and being here. By these ways, we can encounter God in the Divine Liturgy. May God allow us all the grace and blessing and honor uh, of being with Him and sharing with Him in the Divine Liturgy and partaking Him and touching Him. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.